Good morning. Welcome to everyone here in our sanctuary and all the millions of people watching us uh, online. Uh, this is the Groveport United Methodist Church. Welcome to our uh, worship service today. Uh, we have some an announcements. Uh, Easter flowers uh, are due, orders are due March 6th, so please don't miss that deadline. And uh, if you don't want to order in person, you can also order on the church website. So that's an option also. We have a busy Holy Week coming up. Palm Sunday services will be April 2nd. Monday, Thursday, April 6th. Good Friday, April 7th. And Easter Sunday is April 9th. The upper rooms are available in the back on the table if you haven't gotten one yet. And please, an extra prayer for our trustees who will be meeting March 20th at 7 p.m. Uh, also very important, the food pantry. Uh, we have our um, allotted service times as March 23rd and March 30. So please uh, contact uh, Andrew if uh, you are available to help with that important ministry. And finally, we are always in need of blessing box uh, items. So. Uh, Please bring those to the kitchen as you are able. With that, I ask you to uh, soften your hearts and open your minds and join us in worship today.
Nancy, that was beautiful. Let's all stand this morning for our opening music. We're going to start with, what are we starting with? Through it all. Got to read my book.
next hymn is What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Oh, do we not have it up on the screen? Or do I have the wrong bulletin? No, I don't. <laughs> it says What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Come on, I am not that confused this morning. Page 526, pull your hymnals out. 526, we're going to give you time. Pull your hymnals out. We're going old school. Not all the way back to Little House on the Prairie where they didn't have accompaniment, but back a little, like Andy Griffith. Okay, Let's pull your hymnals out. Let's sing like Barney, loud and proud. Join me for the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, 
and a life everlasting. Amen. Please join me in the congregational prayer. Triune God, as we continue through the journey of Lent, we remember that we are a work in progress, that we may often fall short of our calling. You never give up on us. Help us not to be discouraged at our own imperfection, but instead trust and bring all things to completion. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, church. And those online, welcome as well to our service. As we uh, do uh, come to this time, we're going to be spending some time in prayer. A couple different things I want to remind you about that is, first of all, if you have a prayer, we can send that to our uh, website, or our email, that is, at prayer at groveportumc.org. And so if we do have a prayer request today, we do want to uh, just encourage you to send those in for our prayer warriors to continue to uh, pray for you. We do have printed in the bulletin as well, a bunch of our different prayers for this week, as well as praises. We got a number of those, and so let's celebrate a little bit here today. Uh, first of all, you see printed there that uh, Gary Hinkle's home and in the building. So, yeah. <laughs> so we're just thankful that uh, everything went smoothly for you and that you're back here. You look great. You look, you're looking great. Yeah. Any perform last night? And he's still here. A mullet wig. Oh, why didn't you keep wearing it today? It should have kept on going. Should, the whole, let the Holy Spirit move, Gary. Come on. No. Well, we're excited to have you back and uh, glad that the Lord answered our prayers. We also just want to uh, give praise. We've been praying for uh, another member of our church, Annie Hall, who is in the hospital. Um, and just uh, I think it's been a quite a different, uh, a quite a great rehab there as far as coming back. She's not at home, but she's at a rehab, and we got to figure out which one, but she's on one of the ones on Gender Road. We know that, or she's at least moving to there. So we'll be tracking her down this week, but uh, do you want to continue to pray for Annie Hall and her recovery as well? Uh, you see printed there, we want to also thank all those who serve in the community and the Free Friday, as well as the Blessing Box, the Free Library, another all great ministries that we do in this church, and uh, just a, a great way we outreach to our community. We're celebrating that. Also, uh, the ongoing revival at Asbury University in Kentucky. I understand it moved off-site per se, so I'm not sure exactly how all that dynamic worked out, but we do just thank God that something really cool happened down in Asbury uh, where, I mean, how many times do you see a bunch of young people refuse to leave worship for two weeks, pretty much, uh, is just an amazing thing. And so we're thankful for what God did in their hearts. We know there's going to be some great things come from that, uh, and just uh, continue to look forward to that. We also do one that's not put in here, but one to celebrate. Uh, you know, we've been trying to bring Magnus's wife, Mabel, over for quite some time. As well as the son, of course, we uh, got news from the immigration service that Mabel's moved on to the next stage of visa requirements. You then wait for a while for the visa people to get a hold of you. Well, we got a hold of, or they got a hold of him this week. Uh, and so we're at the point where we're actually filling out some of the visa work. And I understand uh, pretty much at this point, once they do the interviews and all that gets, you know, stamped on and, and signed off on, it's basically an airplane ticket. So we could kind of see the end of the tunnel. You know, we're, we're almost there. Uh, and I know, uh, Magnus, it's been 17 years since you, you've been able to live together. And uh, we're just excited. I mean, I can't, I can't describe it any other way. We are, we're celebrating that uh, this day may finally come, you know, hopefully it sounds like this year especially, uh, and that we can, we can meet Mabel and hug her uh, with our own hands and our eyes and to be with her and to celebrate uh, the reunion of your family. Uh, we do have other prayer concerns that are listed there. Of course, we want to continue to lift up all those. As always, uh, you know, this week was the year anniversary, if there's such a thing as the anniversary of uh, the ongoing our Ukrainian conflict. And so we, of course, want to pray for that, for all the leaders involved, for any ways of peace that could be uh, reconciled in these days. We pray for those, especially going on. Do you see also, I uh, just want to mention a couple other things uh, that's going on that I want to just uh, lift up in prayer. 
Uh, first of all, I'm going to ask for a weird prayer, and it's not time to get into details, but just pray for our parking lot. Some interesting dynamics going on there, uh, and uh, just to say the least, but uh, just pray for our parking lot that it could be what it needs to be for this community, and especially um, maybe those that are trying to take it from us uh, would not be able to do so. So just be praying for that details some other time, but not now. Um, I also just want to mention to you, pray for me. Um, I went to the doctor this last week. I go to, as I mentioned before, I have a random, not a random, but a generic eye disease that uh, not many people have. And so uh, I went to the eye doctor this week um, and uh, essentially found out that uh, from October, but now I've lost a decent amount of vision. And uh, the brain's an amazing thing. It doesn't let you know that. It actually, it's kind of like Adobe Photoshop. It fills in what you don't see. So as I'm looking out, I'm actually not seeing some of what I think my brain is seeing. Um, but uh, they're going to try to work to slow it down, and that's all they can really do. Um, but if they can't slow it down, just life may be changing for me and my family a uh, you know, number of years from now. So just be in prayer for us, especially my kids. They overheard us talking about it, and um, we had to hold them and tell them to console them about daddy's eyes going dark. So it's kind of a, it's been a hard week for my family and I, especially as we think about future and, you know, I'm 41 years old. I got a lot of life left in me, so uh, what that looks like. So do be in prayer for us. We also always want to pray for those in long-term care. So we pray for Jack, Carol, Annabelle, Charlotte, Bet, and Reverend Meredith, as well as those in active military service, Jake, Nicole, Matthew, Bishop, Brandon, Parker, Justin and James. You want to also mention that uh, you want to meet with God in a special way. Altar rail is available here today. You can come down and uh, meet with God in a special way. There'll be some people lay their hands upon you as you do that as well. So just know that that's available here. Let's go to the Lord in a time of prayer. God, in whom our hope rests, the one from ages past who has been with your people, 
and time and time again have brought them from captivity and wandering through the desert. And a people even that were stiff-necked that often turned towards from you and away to other things. As God, as we're here, we stand in the lineage of those people, God, because you never gave up on them. And when the time was right, Jesus Christ came to this earth, died on the cross, redeemed us from our sins, and set us free. On the third day of rising again, he conquered death itself. And when the time was right, the Holy Spirit was gifted to your people. And the Holy Spirit, we sense you now, even moving amongst us in these moments. We thank you, Lord, for knowing that at all times we are blessed by assurance that you are the God who's for us, who has offered and given eternal life. That all these things we go through in this life are not but momentary afflictions, but the first chapter of a great, huge, long book. Because God, whatever we're going through here now, we know that you're not only are the God that's going to walk with us through those hard times, you're the God who promises fresh and new when we cross over from this life to the next. God, as we're here, we do lift up our prayer concerns that were listed here today for the many different people that are struggling through things, for those that are sick, those that have been given bad news by doctors, those that have upcoming surgeries, those, Lord, that uh, just have a lot to deal with. We pray for them. God, as we do lift up these, we also lift up those who mourn this day, the loss of loved ones, especially pray for peace around the world. We remember those families that have been ripped apart and sent to different places. We pray for those refugees who have had to flee and pick up their lives and start anew. God, we do pray for world leaders and the wisdom that they be given, that they pursue peace. We pray for those in the military service and those first responders, that God, you keep them safe and bring them safely home to their families. Lord, we pray for those who come here to speak to seek your special touch. May you be with them. May you answer the prayer of their hearts. We pray for these prayers that we bring to you in our altar every week. And we ask, Lord, that once again we persistently bring them to you. May you move in your own time to do what's good, beneficial. Lord, finally, as we're here, we pray for your church. We pray for us. We pray, God, that no matter what we face in these days or in the days ahead, that, Lord, we'd stay faithful to you. And that, God, you'd ever be present before us. You'd be the very sign upon our hearts. And God, as we follow you, may this world once again see a people who's different, see a joy inside us that people crave, a love for each other that people don't even understand, but yet yearn and want. May all these things glorify you and bring other people to the knowledge saving of Jesus Christ. Lord, may you bless this church. Make us to be the people you will. Outreach and be a city on a hill, shining light to this community. And finally, God, we pray that prayer that marks us as your followers. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
if any of you would like to help support the uh, mission of our church, uh, there are multiple ways you can do so. And this applies to people online as well as the folks here. You may mail a uh, contribution to the church here in Grove Fort on Main Street. Uh, you may uh, put some money in the uh, plate at the back of the uh, church, or you can donate online via the Ezekiel app. First, cause me to think. Why do they call it the Ezekiel app? Does anybody know? Well, Ezekiel, thank you for asking, is known in many areas as the prophet of doom. And I know if you're like me, when people ask you for money, you do get a sense of doom. But remember, it's not our money. It's God's. He's just using us to distribute it. So uh, take that into prayerful consideration when you consider uh, your donation. With that, please stand for the doxology.
Our scripture passage today is from Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So reads the word of God. Well, good morning, church. And hello to those online. Welcome to you as well as we uh, get into this sermon series again. Well, we are uh, in a sermon series called Fellowship. And uh, we introduced that last week and took some time to really start with the idea of fellowship and how important it is and really uh, how from the very get-go of creation, fellowship is really almost there from the get-go and that not only how God wanted to take time to actually spend time with the creation, but in that creation of the Sabbath day, how the Israelites from the very get-go understood what it meant to worship on a Sunday or on a Saturday for them. And on that day of being holy, not only was it a day of worship, but it was a day of spinning and doing no work. Which, of course, what do you do before electronics and you have your tablets? You eat with your family and hang out with your friends. And the fellowship was built into once a week. You were connected to your community and all the, and all the ways of, that were life-filling and joyous and the very things that we crave. That fellowship was always there. And this week, we're going to be stepping in and looking at what I call this sermon series. It's subtitled for today, The Wonder Years. That's right. Now, some of you know exactly where I'm going with the introduction of this, is that The Wonder Years was a TV show. For all you youngsters and all you uh, people who made it in, like the TV in the late 1980s, early 1990s, there was a show called The Wonder Years. Now, how many people remember The Wonder Years, right? Now, of course, that's right. <laughs> almost everybody, for those that lied, almost everybody raised their hand uh, here today, The Wonder Years. And of course, the main actor in it, do you remember his name? Fred Savage, right? I don't know why, but Fred Savage, I've always remembered his name. Uh, and quite honestly, even though, you know, the Wonder Years itself was a great show, I remember Fred Savage more so in The Princess Bride because he had an awesome role. His most fantastic role he ever had was in that movie. I just thought I'd give a shout out to that movie. But of course, you remember in the, what this whole storyline, plotline of The Wonder Years was, was Fred Savage was played a, a man that is a little boy named Kevin Arnold who was kind of going through those weird, angsty teenage bopper years, right, where you're becoming who you are and you trying to figure life out, and he and his, you know, quirky friend, and, you know, go through life experimenting and doing all these different things, and, you know, it's a, it's a time of just endearment, of looking back and remembering how simple life was for them, and the things that we're going to, and before life got really difficult, it also was that, that innocent, how you go into all these situations so innocent, and you're changed by them, and I didn't, you know, wasn't the biggest, huge, avid Wonder Years fan, so I didn't keep up with it, but I understand it went on for six seasons, and they kind of went through that course of how you grow up, and you kind of lose some of that innocence and some of that endearment, and looking back on those wonder years of, of all that. Of course, there was Winnie, and uh, yours truly may have had a crush on Winnie, even though I was pretty young. Um, so anyways, Winnie and I weren't meant to be. It's okay. But uh, neither, I don't, I don't know if it was for uh, the Kevin Arnold in the show either. But, but uh, and, you know, of course, the crush was Winnie, and they had to go on and find Winnie and all these different things and all that stuff. 
And I think back on that in those wonder years of, of that idea, right, of, of thinking back on how life changed, right? You go from this innocent kid of just going through the world, and then life keeps coming at you. You learn a whole bunch more, and all of a sudden, life is no longer more innocent, and all those times in life where all of a sudden you're faced with just bad choices, and there's no innocence before you. You can only choose between which is the worst choice and not choosing that one and choosing the other choice, or even those times where there's all sorts of good options in front of you and you have to choose the best one, knowing that you're closing the door to so many others. And just that life that we all go through, right? How we grow up and, and learn and become more wise and all those different things. I think that's a lot of what we see here today in Scripture. And for me, as you look at this beginning of the church, this is the uh, beginning of the book of Acts, which again is right after Jesus has ascended to heaven. You know, the, all the disciples and all the Christians are just hanging out and and wondering what to do next, and Jesus says, wait, and so they wait, and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And of course, right before this, Peter has just gone up and given the sermon where everybody's heard it in the, in the area, and everybody's, people are giving their lives to Christ, and all of a sudden, they're part of this fellowship of believers. And this is the very beginning of that. It's Acts chapter 2, 42 that we just read. It's the very beginning of this story of the church, right after Pentecost, and what it looked like. It's kind of like, I would say, the wonder years of the church. Now, I want to explain that, what I mean by that, in just a few different ways, but not only is this the beginning of the church, that this is sort of the gold standard, if you will. This is the image of true fellowship, of, of the fellowship at the highest example that you can possibly have was right at the beginning here, right at the, the very start of the church. Now, before we look into kind of what were the aspects of it, I wanted to offer a word of caution because uh, in my seminary career, of course, I've read all sorts of people, and um, there's all sorts of people that would take this passage and say, this is what a church has to be, right? And they list these aspects of it and talk about it and say how a church needs to do these things. And if you start looking at well, some of these aspects, you start realizing that, man, some of this is hard to live up to, right? And some of it can kind of be gullible if you live in the wrong situation at the wrong time, and you can just get taken, right? And in fact, if you look at this, it's kind of interesting because even though this is the image of true fellowship, I think it's best understood less as the formula that you have to have in order, you know, if you don't have these things, you're not a true church kind of deal or what you need to yearn for. It's something to aspire to, yes, but it's best understood as the work of God. In other words, these people are living so crazy and so anti against the world, so, so differently that it can be nothing but the very work of God in their hearts, right? This is almost something that, just like miracles, you and I can't manufacture it. You and I can't, we can strive kind of to some degree, but ultimately, if we do it on our own volition, bad things come of it. It's only God that can do this work. And so I think it's best understood that. And so I would just offer a word of warning because before we get ready for it, before we can really jump in and just do the things that we do, God has to work on all of our lives. And the other warning I have is this, is that if you look even in the book of Acts itself, but for sure, even when you look at the rest of the New Testament, the church doesn't stay like this very long. In other words, this appears to be this great outpouring of the Spirit, and this church is doing things that no one else would have ever thought of doing and, and what, they're, what they're acting like and being. But when you get just a little bit beyond that, you see that the church starts having disagreements. Imagine that, right? The church starts having you know, different ways of seeing things. The church starts having... People will try to do things that aren't healthy for the church, that are kind of selfish. People start doing things and acting inappropriately with the way that is the way Jesus has taught us to live. And 
In fact, basically, you can argue that every single letter we have of the New Testament was written because something was going wrong in a church, right, that they were trying to address and bring back and try to understand what we're supposed to be doing. And so in some ways, God used the faultiness of even those early churches and as people try to understand what it meant to follow Jesus Christ and to be the people of God together, even in their failings, God used for our good because we have those letters here today, don't we? They speak to us even now and, and you know, mold us and mold our souls. And there's this tension that's always in Scripture, but especially I would say with this passage, that we live in the in-between times. And what I mean by that is the kingdom of God is both here, right now, Jesus has ushered it in, and it's yet to come. And so part of the hard part of being Christian is understanding that dynamic of the kingdom of God is here and we have to respond to it and live like it, but also understanding it's not quite fully ushered in yet. And so there's this act of wisdom that you have to live in, in this tension between a world that's being redeemed, but not quite there yet. And so you're preparing for what is to come, but meanwhile being very smart and wise and yet innocent, even in the world that's here and now. And we're going to be looking at that as we go. So we must be wise, yet we must also be transformed and be continually transformed at the same time. It's a get with the program, but understand the program isn't finished yet, right? And so there's this, this tension that we all have to live in as we read through these. Well, first thing that we see in this teaching that we read here today in, in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42 through 47, is this, is this early church, this, this being of what true fellowship should be, the highest attaining that we can attain here on earth, looks like these things. It looks like, first of all, it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, we preached on that uh, earlier this past year, but I just want to remind ourselves that you can't be a church without the apostles' teaching. In fact, we've looked at the nature of the church. We spent a whole sermon series on it. And remember, there were four things, and one of the four things was you got to be apostolic, right? Like, a church actually has to hold the teachings of what the apostles taught from the very teachings of Jesus himself. And so the very church that was worldwide at that time is the very story of Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, his teachings. And not only that, but the gift of the Holy Spirit, the fulfillment of all Scripture, has to be part of what true fellowship is like. And in fact, every week, uh, or every, well, at least once a month, every time that we come to service, we say the Apostles' Creed. Because in our church, the Apostles' teaching is alive and well, is it not? You can say amen to that, everybody. It's okay to amen this part, right? It's okay. But we could say that the apostles' teaching is still alive, and we do our best, and yes, we fall short, I'm sure, but we also do our best to not look at what we want God to be or what we desire God to be or what just kind of spurns out in us. We're truly open to the idea that God's speaking to you and I and that this story of who Christ is is the very story of all of our lives that we're all wrapped up in it, and it's all crucially on him and his death and his resurrection. The forgiveness of sins is offered freely, and the idea that we can be remade anew and once again become children, very children of the living God, through the very redemptive act of Jesus Christ, is here and well. Church has to have that for true fellowship. Because anything else, if it doesn't have that, it can be fellowship, but it can't be Jesus-centered fellowship, can it? You can have a nice little group meeting, you can have a social club, you can have all sorts of things, but if you don't have that, if we're not all ships, as if you will, on an image of ships going together and going on a great journey together for a destination, that destination is Jesus. That destination is becoming Christ-like. That destination is heaven as Christ has revealed it to us. It's the very essence of good fellowship. 
Not only this, it says this, not only did they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, which is what we're talking about, but also that fellowship had only the apostles' teaching. It had the breaking of bread. I hate to do it this early in the sermon because I know it's going to make you hungry, but we got to talk about some food people, right? Because the church loves food. And in fact, if you thought this was a new thing and just American thing, that we have potlucks and stuff like that, no, 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 no. Get back to your roots. The people of God have eaten together time beyond time, right? It goes even back before Jesus came to this earth. It goes back to the Israelites, and we talked about that day of coming together on the Sabbath and eating together. But I want to just stop and mention here just a couple of things. Is, is first of all, think about how great of a gift hospitality is. That's what you think about someone who's ever invited you into their home. What did it feel like for someone to be vulnerable enough to let you come into their house, right? You can see, if, do they dust or not, right? You know, right? right? And, and whether or not they're ashamed of that or not, but they invite you in and you can come in and, and they, they cook a meal and hopefully you like it, right? They don't know if you like it or not. They're cooking a meal and, and they present it to you and, and they break bread with you and, and, and fellowship with you. And the idea that someone would be so vulnerable enough to say, hey, come to my house, eat with me, sit at my tables, drink the drinks that I'm serving, eat the food that I've cooked with my own hands, be with me. Such a great gift. And that's what the early church did together every single day. Fellowship was the idea that, hey, we're not only going to live life together, not only have a goal together, not only follow Christ together, we're going to eat together. And that very act of being vulnerable before each other was there at the very beginning. I remember when I was in seminary, I had many different experiences. I've told you many of those with food. But one that I haven't ever told you before was uh, I went to a small church out in Kentucky. Now, I say out in Kentucky because I mean that. Out in Kentucky, right? As in it didn't have, uh, it had lights. It did not have running water. It had an outhouse, right? And as far as I know, it was the only church at the time uh, east of the Mississippi that had an outhouse and a website at the same time. But anyways, <laughs> it was uh, run by some of the pastor, or some of the pastors of it were actually uh, two professors, and it was one of these churches that was just going to close down. In fact, um, if you go out there, one of the sites to see in Kentucky, that part of Kentucky, is Shakertown, if you ever heard of Shakertown, right? All right, this was down the road, I would say street, if you could call it that, a road to Shakertown, right? That's where you can picture this out if you've ever been there and seen that. But it's in the middle of nowhere, and, uh, and I would go and be with, you know, we'd go and see these people, and it was the craziest church ever because you had all these people from Zimbabwe. And so you'd be singing Shona songs in one minute, and then the next minute you had, like, people from all over the world. It was, it was in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky. It was just the oddest thing ever. And, um, but I remember one of the people that went there, that church there, was just a little bit older than I was. He was probably in his, you know, now 40s. Uh, at the time, I was in my 20s. And he just invited all us young whippersnappers that were coming to the church over to his house, right? And um, he was a single guy. He'd never gotten married. He lived sort of, they had a kind of a family a farm, if you will. And so we all just went over and he made turkey sandwiches, right? And I'm talking not even like the artisan bread. I'm talking like just white bread. I mean, just straight, like craft cheese on a slice with some lettuce, tomato, and the turkey. You know what I'm saying? Like nothing out of the ordinary. It's some chips that were just out of a bag. I mean, we're not talking rocket science, right? But I remember how moving an experience it was for this man who, you know, I have to assume that, uh, you know, I'm going to just speak for him. I, didn't, I can't verify that he ever said this, but you know, I can imagine that, you know, being of his age in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky, you know, not married, not having children, could half the times feel lonely, you know, to some degree, even though he's around his family. But coming to his house, 
to offer that hospitality was so moving because here was a man opening his life up to us. And all of us seminary students trying to figure out what this whole ministry thing was about was be having ministry shown to us right then and there of how simple it can be and how life-giving it can be to just file up someone and say, hey, come be part of my life. Come into my house. Come eat with me. Hey, eat my turkey sandwiches, right? And how amazing that little gift was. I still remember to this day being moved by, that, by those times spent at his house. Well, not only this, did they break bread together. Um, I just want to mention that uh, Monday Thursday is going to be coming up at some point. Um, I'll go ahead and announce it, even though we're still trying to plan if we can actually pull this off or not. <laughs> but we got to do it now if I announce it. But uh, we're going to do something different. A lot of times on Monday Thursdays, we do uh, an acting of, 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 of the Monday Thursday drama, if you will. This year, I want us to do a Seder meal. We're going to do a Seder meal. We're going to try to pull this off, and we'll see how well we do. I don't know, but we're going to pull a Seder meal down the fellowship hall. We'll take reservations, all that good stuff, and get some head counts and all that. But we're going to actually eat together the meal the Israelites ate, and we're going to have some conversation about that, about the way they ate it and the way Jesus took that meal and the very symbols that he used when we take communion, how he reinterpreted those, leaning in on that, that meaning that existed even before he came to this earth, but how he took it and added extra depths to it. That's all I can say. And uh, so we're going to spend some time. So anyways, you're going to eat together in the coming days. I should also mention that uh, meeting with some of our church members on uh, Tuesday, we're going to be talking about some fellowship events coming up. So again, I've been warning you to dust off your, you know, your crock pots and things like that. If you haven't done it, you've been fair warned. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you at this point, but uh, get it ready because we're going to have some good times together. The third thing it says right there in that scripture that was very identifying to him was they spent time in prayer. Now, we have a prayer team. We pray on every Sunday. We spend time. We are a great praying church. But I want to challenge us that oftentimes in Christian tradition, people just got together to pray. And I, and I haven't, I don't think necessarily, I mean, unless that happens sort of outside in our share groups, I know that. But I just want to challenge us that uh, maybe we could be a church to just set some prayer meetings. Just come and pray together. It would be amazing. You know what? The revival down in Asbury, I was talking with somebody this week, and they were saying, uh, they went down there and they were just saying, hey, you know, as much as people talked about revival, it was great and amazing, but like there was nothing crazy about it. It was just like a normal worship service, except the music wasn't as good because there was a bunch of people just coming in and just singing, right? <laughs> so, but they had this, this time together and they were worshiping together, but he was very moved. He told me, eyewitness, he said, you know what, what really moved me the most was I got there, you know, the service was starting, that evening service was starting about 7 p.m., and I got there about 6 to get a seat. He said that there were all these old ladies, like retired age kind of ladies, that were there. And up at the front praying for students, right? But I hope I didn't fit anybody. I didn't mean to by that. I'm sorry. I'm sensing the laughter. I didn't even, when I said it, I didn't even, I didn't even. But anyways. Now, no turkey sandwich for your pastor. Your pastor just blew it. I'm sorry. I'm just going to dig a hole. <clears throat> anyways, there were some ladies of yes, great age. And and uh, they were praying for the uh, uh, students that were there. And, of course, they are doing these things. And um, they were there at 6 before he got there. They were already praying. The, the service was kept going on even though they can't. They said, hey, come back at 7 o'clock. You know, we're going to take a lunch break or dinner break or whatever. People stayed and, you know, kept going to worship anyways. And uh, so they're down there praying. And he said, you know, he, they did the service. He stuck around even long after that praying. And, and they were worshiping and doing all these things. He said it was 10 p.m. He's like, I got to go, man. Like, it's time for me to leave. Like, I got to go get a break. Take gets his nap, so he left. He said those ladies were still down at the front, praying for the students that were coming up. 
that God was doing something in their life and they needed someone to pray with and talk to. It's just don't underestimate the power of prayer, especially the power of prayer together. Remember John Wesley's heart was changed at essentially what was a prayer meeting where they were just reading some of Martin Luther's preface to the Romans before they prayed. And his life totally changed from that. I would challenge us to have some prayer meetings in the future. Let's have some. Let's get together. Let's be a praying church just like the early church was. Not only in our own life and in our own closets, if you will, as Jesus taught us, but also as we see in the early church, they prayed and prayed together and do it in a valiant way. Now, of course, what happens with those things? You have those four things, the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of the bread, and the prayer. And all those three, four things go together in this early church. And what happens is we see there are signs and wonders. The people are in awe. We see that they held everything in common. They, they were so moved by God, they sold all they had. They gave to each other as need. They, they loved being together, and they, they spent time in the temple courts. And it says that they kept adding to their number, that they would go into their homes together and eat together and broke bread. I love this word, with glad and sincere hearts. I just want to challenge you. Our world does not teach glad and sincere hearts. It teaches complaining and sarcasm. Which one fills your house at your table? We all yearn for it. We all know which one we want. We all know which one we want for our neighbors and for our community and for the kids that go to our schools and their families at home. We know which one we want. But it's got to start with us in our tables where we eat together. God did amazing things. And again, I warn him that even though God, and this is what we're trying to yearn for and that we're trying to move towards, and one day when we're in heaven, you know, we're going to be ready for it. But at the same time, we have to be wise because, you know, if all of us took everything we owned and we sold it, started using it with each other, there would be someone come along and take advantage of us, wouldn't there? Right? Without God protecting us and doing like he did this early church. There's a way of being transformed, but also not being gullible, a way of being wise, knowing that this stuff doesn't belong to us. We're willing to use it for the kingdom of God, but also understanding we're the stewards of it. We can't just let it go into the wrong hands. It'll be used against God's purposes. And so again, I warn that best to see this as the very outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the very gift of God, the image of what we're trying to attain, but something that we don't manufacture ourselves. It's got to be God's work at God's time for you and for I. Let us pray. Lord, as we're here today, we thank you so much for this gift of thinking about this early church and what a movement it must have been. That people across the world were there that day hearing in their own language the Holy Spirit speak among the disciples. And that Peter got up and gave that message and the people were moved. That this early church had fellowship in such a brilliant way, a truly earth-defying way, one that's not of this world, but truly of the Spirit. Guys, we're here today, we recognize that we can't manufacture that ourselves. It's only something you can do in our life. But at the same time, Lord, we use whatever, whatever gifts, whatever graces that we have to move toward such a vision of your church. And so God, give us all the graces that we can. Pour out your mercy on us that each and every day, we could become just a little bit more like that gold standard. And that, God, this world would be changed. This very community would see a people that's so different than this world. That they'd be moved about a people that have glad and sincere hearts. That break bread with one another. That pray together. That teach the apostles teaching and take great joy in it. That, God, you'd be glorified in such things. We pray all this in your holy and precious name. Amen.
I'm supposed to have Mike Cisco and the Cisco family over for dinner, and he requested short ribs. My son-in-law requested seven-layer salad, and my granddaughter, garlic mashed potatoes. But I think turkey sandwiches on white bread <laughs> sounds way easier, so we'll be talking about that. <laughs> no, he's not picky. Okay, so let's all stand this morning and sing our closing hymn. Precious name, take the name of Jesus with you. with us today. hope all this talk of food and then we sang about Jesus being sweet. I hope you're not too hungry. For those at home, you had a sandwich while we ate. I know it was a turkey one, so thank you for being that. Uh, as we go, I just wanted to read you the very last line of that scripture about what happened when the church was the church at that gold standard. It just says very simply there at the end of 47, it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The world yearns for fellowship. 
crazy in every single way, and oftentimes in all the wrong ways. You and I have been given that very gift that people seek and desire. But as we go, may we offer it freely, not only to those that in this room and those that aren't with us here today, but this whole community, that all may come to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.